What's going on, everyone? If you're uh, watching this on YouTube and you're looking at me going, oh, James looks a little worse for wear, you'd be 100% correct. Uh, you're looking at a very sleepy boy here this morning. Been up since 1.30, so at the moment it's 8.30 on Monday morning. Uh, and, yeah, I was just – the body clock woke me up at 1.30. It's, it's been a bit of a week in this household, and I'm sure we'll get to it by the end of the episode, but – I'm going to try and bring the energy as much as I can for you guys and we'll touch on what's happened at the at the back end of the episode. But um, yeah, up at 1.30, couldn't, I was tossing and turning in the bed and I'm like, fuck this. So I just got up and went to gym, uh, try and start my day right. And there was something that I thought was going to be like pretty cool, but then when it happened, I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I, I drove to the gym, rocked up. I'm the only car in the entire car park, right? So I was like, this is going to be fucking sick, like... I'm going to be like the rock in his iron paradise, basically, like just fucking clanging and banging. No one no one holding me down. Um, so I swipe my card to get in the gym, and it is pretty eerie in an empty gym in the middle of fucking Bean Lee at, I think I got there at like 2 a.m. So, yeah, what I thought was going to be a, a fun little fun little adventure for me that I was going to fully go into beast mode. I was just spending the whole time looking over my shoulder in case it was like some sort of homeless crackhead hiding behind the dumbbell rack. But, um, yeah, that's how my morning kicked off, tired as fuck. Hopefully I have time for a little nappy noo-noo later, but I highly doubt it. I have a pretty chaotic day today. Um, but little bit of, a little bit of a uh, behind-the-curtain thing. So I had a whole heap more shit to address last week, and I had a mini panic attack because I looked over and I noticed we were at, like, 45 minutes, and I was like holy shit, I have rambled on this week. So there was one thing last week, and some of you might have seen it on the table. There was one thing that we didn't touch on. So last weekend we we've, – we've, for some reason when we bought this house it had two garden sheds and we were like, we don't really need two garden sheds, but for the last eight years we've just split up all our shit between the two of them. So we're like, fuck it, we're going to do some little backyard renovations Um so we pulled down one of the garden sheds and as we're going through it, going down memory lane as you do, and we found a uh, storage container full of Nikita's old like awards and medals and shit like that. Uh, so we've pulled it out and she's going through them all. And I see this beautiful statue here, or not a statue, it's a trophy. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this, uh, this lovely woman softball lady pitching I guess you'd explain it and I was like and this is easily the biggest trophy in the whole thing that Nikita had right so I was like oh this must be the important one and she goes oh yeah yeah that's my uh that's my Queensland softball player of the year award and I'm like oh okay and most people would just believe their wife you know what's there's no reason for me to doubt her so I was like oh let's take a little little read here so uh it says the Marundu Wildcats Encouragement Award, Nikita Weald. So she uh, turns out she's not quite the softballer that she sold to us all. She she got the Encouragement Award and I found it quite amusing. So, okay, hats off to her. She did win Queensland Softballer of the Year, like the year after this or something. So the encouragement must have got to her. But that trophy is like fucking this big, like hardly anything. The size of this glass on the table and she's like, can't you put that one in the studio? I'm like, no, fuck no. This one will be way funnier. So that's going to live somewhere on the table. I haven't decided where, but um, another little addition. I like growing these additions. Um, but, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty funny that she tries to sell this big thing to me. And, yeah, she's, uh, she's raking in those encouragement awards. But speaking about awards, as we all know, Westy fucking – Plays basketball now. NBA, he's going to be on the cover of NBA fucking 2K49 or something. But, uh, yeah, he has training on Tuesday. So we went to training and the kid, like, fucking, he goes nuts. I don't know why. He comes off bright red, dripping in sweat, which is cool to see that he, like, gets into it that much. But um, we finished training on Tuesday and we've gone to leave and he goes, oh, dad, and they've got, like, a little canteen there where he trains. He's like, can we just quickly get like a packet of chips or something? I'm starving. I don't think I'll last till dinner. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to, but he's like 
the amount of food this kid eats is insane. And like, apparently all little boys do it when they start to grow. But I was like, all right, I don't want him to starve. So I go and I just get him a, a packet of chips from behind there. And he picks like, I go, what flavor do you want? And he goes, chicken. So we get to the car and I go, you know, they're not like the healthiest thing that you can eat. And he's like, yeah, they are. They've got chicken in it. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not real fucking chicken. But trying to explain that to a seven-year-old is pretty much pointless. But uh, then the kicker comes and Nikita calls me and she'd just got home as we were leaving training. And she's like, I can't be fucked cooking dinner. Can you pull up and get some takeaway? And uh, I've been pretty vocal on the podcast that we've fallen off the bandwagon a little bit in this household the last three weeks or so. So um, actually, I think I, I think I said last time, if I come on here and I'm still off the bandwagon, then uh, you guys can go nuts and throw some evil words at me. So why don't we pause for five seconds? You guys can say whatever you want to me and then we'll, we'll proceed with the podcast. So here's your, here's your five seconds to abuse me. All right. Do we all feel better now? I, I felt all the uh, I felt all the hatred and the anger coming through the camera, but um, yeah. So we hang up the phone to Nikita, and I go, said to Wesley, "I'm like, what do you want?" He's like, "Oh, let's get KFC." So we go to KFC, and we're driving home. We've got the chicken chips and a fucking big dirty bag of KFC, and I I said to Wesley, "I'm like, you know, I'm oh no, I, I put it on him. I go, do you think anything that you've eaten in the last like." 15 minutes is healthy. And he's like, yeah, the chips have got chicken in them. I'm like, no, we went through that. It's not real chicken. And he goes, and LeBron James eats KFC. And I was like, where the fuck did you hear that? And he's like, everyone knows that. He's like, LeBron James always eats KFC. And I'm like, no, he fucking doesn't. I guarantee LeBron James probably hasn't had KFC for like 30 years. But um, he was pretty adamant. He even came home and told Nikita, he's like, LeBron James eats KFC. So I'm pretty much going to be LeBron James. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a little bit funny. But he had his game on Saturday and I, I noticed something that, I don't know, I never noticed it in person before, but I was looking at the age group above Westie and there were these two coaches there and they were just taking it so seriously and they're like yelling out at these young kids and shit like that. And I was looking at them and they're just the – I don't, I don't, the only thing I could think in my head at the time was they're like middle-aged white men and they were competing in an Eminem cosplay competition. Like one of them had a legit bandana with a backwards hat on with like three-quarter basketball pants on and a singlet. And the other one was like slim shady Eminem. He had a white shirt, some jeans, and then just some like bright shoes on. And I was like, this is fucking insane. And then it reminded me of when I was going through uh, high school, we had a similar basketball coach. He was like a white man and he he was pretty short. Like he would have been lucky to be six foot, but he thought he was the sickest basketballer in the world. And fair enough, he could play, I guess. But at the time we were like 15 and he was 40 or something. So he should beat us. Um, it's like me dunking on Westy. I don't feel good about it, but it has to be done. And uh, yeah, at, at high school... I remember in grade 12, we had a an American, a uh, African-American basketball, well, he was a PE teacher. He moved here from America. And just the sadness in our white basketball coach's eyes, knowing that he was out of a job now. Because even if this guy couldn't play, he had the accent and the look. So we were going to believe him much more than a like five foot 11 white dude from fucking Ipswich. But uh, yeah, that was couple of little funny funny things from uh, basketball this week. So I'll, I'll tie it in. It somewhat will tie in to fucking a couple of stories in here. So I'll jump straight into my week in comedy because there's a bit to tackle here. Uh, got a couple of funny stories from pretty much all my gigs this week and whether or not you guys find them funny. Again, I'm probably not conveying these the best this week, but uh, hang in there with me. Um, but, yeah, our uh, first gig of the week was down at Nobby's Ark. So that was the first night back there. Again, I think I said last week they ran comedy there a few years back or something. Apparently it used to go off. So I uh, I had my hopes set. One sec, having a little sip. Yeah, I had my hopes set for a, a sick gig. Get down there and uh, 
Yeah, there were there were two people in the crowd that came in probably halfway through the first person set, which yeah, rough night, rough night, especially when you're doing the old classics that all the other comedians in the room had already heard. And the only reason I was doing the old classics is to try and keep fine tuned for raw that's coming up. Um, but yeah, the 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 thing that made the night all funny and shit like that is uh, Reed was there, who's been on the show before. And helps me out with writing and shit like that every now and then. And just watching each other eat a giant bag of dicks in front of each other and just like <laughs> just saying punchlines that you know normally works in a packed room to emptiness and just getting nothing. It it hurts the soul. It's yeah, it's demoralizing, but it was fun. It was fun to shit on each other for bombing in a situation that there was no other option than to bomb, but yeah, the um, the little story from that gig is I got there and I was busting for a piss, right? So I've run in the venue and I'm like trying to say hello to everyone but at the same time I'm like, hey, I have to piss. Uh, hang 10, I'll be back. And I'm like, where's the toilet? So the guys show me this like door up the back of the, the pub or venue, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So I go through this door and the only way I can explain it the it's sort of like five restaurants all tied into each other in the one complex. And then above that, I think there's like a hotel. So as I've walked through this door, I've entered the car park for the five restaurants and the basement of the hotel, right? So it's just a typical hotel car park. And I see far away, there's a door that says men's on it. So I've gone, I've tried to open it and it's fucking locked. And I'm like, sick, just my luck. See right beside at the women's toilet and I'm like, I'm not doing that tonight. Knowing my luck, I'll get fucking busted in there and I'll be some sort of weird creep that someone in the crowd's going to be staring at for his whole set. So I'm like, surely another restaurant or something has, a, uh, has another toilet that they use or the hotel has a toilet. So I've walked, I don't know, 20 metres or so and I see another door down a little corridor and on it, is a big black sign and in white letters it says Mr. And I was like, oh, it's another men's toilet. Perfect. I couldn't see a female's one, but I'm like, oh, it must be on the other side of the complex or something, men's and women's. So I go and open this door and without even thinking, like I guess you don't really think when you walk in a bathroom door, but I open this door and walk in to what I am expecting to be a toilet and I just walk into – a pitch black restaurant, like chairs up on tables, fucking nothing happening in there. Like this place is locked up. I don't know why the fuck this door was left unlocked, but there's something so jarring about like walking into an empty restaurant where you shouldn't fucking be. And the only thing I could, like I hit the panic button. I started freaking the fuck out because the door shut behind me. I'm like, am I going to be locked in this fucking restaurant all night? But um, And I was looking around, I see like red dots of cameras and shit like that. So I was like, oh, fuck, these guys are going to be watching me thinking I'm the biggest dickhead. So, uh, yeah, went back out and used the women's toilet because I couldn't hold anymore. So thank God nobody came in, uh, did, my, did my business. I didn't do my business, I just took a piss. Uh, I don't know if that's still called doing your business. I, I take doing your business as doing a shit, but uh, I could be wrong. Write in if write in if you've got any thoughts about that. Uh, but then, yeah, second second gig of the week. Uh, yeah, that that was all I had from that one. It felt like it, I was trying to explain it to Nikita the next day, and I'm like trying to explain it. I told her the story, and she's like, oh. and I'm like, it felt like I was in an episode of. Remember, actually, I think they brought it back. Um, thank God you're here. It felt like I was just walking into an episode there and they were just like waiting for me to make the first move. Or like I was in Monsters, Inc. and I've just walked through somebody's fucking closet. But yeah, it was it was a bit weird. And then next gig of the week was at the Mix Bar again. So it was a fucking sick gig, sick lineup. Everyone had six sets. And yeah, Chris Walters again, who's been on the show before, is fucking nailing it with that room. He's like, he's going above and beyond with everything he needs to do from sound lighting photography fucking video videography everything so if there's any comedians listening to this and you want a sick gig on a I think it's a Thursday night um yeah hit Chris up and 
you won't be fucking sorry. Chris, you can send send payment in the mail. But um, yeah, I uh, I got to the gig, and I was I was a bit of a, I guess I was a bit of a black cloud on the night that night. I was not in the mood to be there, um, and I was just like I just wanted to do my set and go home basically. So found the lineup, and I was in the second bracket. So I'm like fuck, I have to sit here and wait and. You have to wait for the end anyway on that gig because it's a bit of a competition. Like you get a crown and shit if you win. But um, yeah, I was in the second bracket. So I'm sitting there just playing on my phone and shit and I was texting Nikita and then all of a sudden my text stopped going through. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So I like, I, I had a little bit of a flashback, right? So old mate over here, this dickhead, He's a little bit bad at uh, remembering to pay his phone bill. So for so long, I had it set up as direct debit. And for whatever reason, my phone company won't do direct debit anymore just for my account. Uh, Nikita's account is still direct debited. So I uh, I distinctly remembered after my messages stopped going through that probably a week before I got a message saying, pay your fucking bill or you're getting disconnected. And then that day I got another message saying, this is your final warning, pay your bill or your phone's getting disconnected. And I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my fucking real dad. But uh, anyway, I then remembered, okay, that's what's fucking happened. I've disconnected, my phone's been disconnected. I need to tell Nikita. And I didn't want to ask any of the other like comedians sitting there and just be that guy who can't pay his phone bill. So I'm like, I'll just go for a walk. I'll try to find some free Wi-Fi or something and call Nikita on Messenger, tell her what's happened. And I'm like running around Woolongabba trying to find free Wi-Fi. I find three lots of Wi-Fi, but for whatever reason, whatever version of Wi-Fi they are, if Adrian was here, he could fucking correct me, but they would not let me make phone calls. Like they'd let me use the internet and shit, but uh, yeah, no phone calls. So I found, I was looking for like a pay phone as well, which I don't know if you guys have, like consciously look for a payphone in the last however long. I haven't used one since I was like, I don't know, 10 or something. But yeah, I was trying to find one of them, couldn't find one. So I see a big Coles shopping center. So I get there and at this stage, I'm fucking like 10 minutes away from the gig. And I'm like, so now I'm like trying to beat the clock of trying to get back before my set. And at the same time, trying to tell my wife that I haven't been like raped and murdered in the city. So I go into this Coles and... I go to the front counter and there's this young dude there and he's just like less than helpful. I'm like, hey, mate, this is super weird. My phone's been disconnected. Do you have a pay phone or know where one is? Or can you tell me where like there's a Macca's or something that I can use the Wi-Fi on? And he's like, oh, nah. And then he asks his other dickhead mate, he's like, have you seen a pay phone? And they're just looking at me like I'm from the 1930s trying to use a pay phone. So then I start trying to explain to them, I'm like, like I would go into the next layer. I'm like, I, my phone bill's overdue. I just need to tell my wife, blah, 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 blah. Hoping that they would go, okay, we have a phone here. Just quickly call your wife. And then they start trying to play a game of trying to remember where the uh, the closest payphone is. And I'm like, oh my God. And then this young dickhead goes, have you tried turning it off and on? And I'm like, mate, shut the fuck up. Like I am not in the mood for this right now. And I just said to him, I'm like, yeah, yeah, all good. It's fucking, I didn't pay my phone bill. That's the issue. And he goes, look, there's a pay phone. Go out, turn left and go fucking 200 meters and you'll find one. So I find this pay phone, right? Call Nikita, tell her what's up. And she goes, oh, I paid it this morning for you because I knew you were a piece of shit and wouldn't remember. So I was like, thank God. So she sends me the receipt and then I call Vodafone and Vodafone is like checking my account and shit. I'm on the phone for them for maybe 10 minutes. And then they're like, no, like your services are all still connected. You might just be in a bad patch of like reception, blah, blah, blah. And then the dude goes, just try resetting your phone. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I reset my phone and then boom, all my shit was back in action. So I don't know what the fuck happened to my phone if I was in a dodgy patch of reception and then that just fucked with my phone for the next half an hour or so. But yeah, reset my phone, all back on. Ran back to the gig and made it just by the end of the break and I was up just after the break. So, yeah, had a had a pretty sick gig there. Um, crowd was up for it. No, 
they were a fun crowd where they were like talking to me through my set sort of thing and I was trying to play on what they were saying and I think I uh I think I did that pretty pretty successfully this time so um even a couple of things they said were sort of the next line for the lead up for my joke and I was like exactly and then I could just play on it from there and it made them feel like they were writing my jokes for me little did they know I'm the mastermind behind my whole set but uh drink break one two three oh yeah that's good water I uh fuck I was about to say I haven't had a drink this week but I actually had one last night so fuck me right but anyway um yeah, the before all that fucking drama happened. So this is probably if I had to have my own personal can't get any worse. Oh well, no, actually that's not fucking true, and we'll get to it. Here's one of my can't get any worse stories for the week. All right. So before that gig, we had an early dinner that afternoon, and I before I left, I'm like I'm fucking starving. Nikita's like me too, but we had nothing in the house. So I start driving to the gig, and I. There's a McDonald's that I pass on the way to every gig I do. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to pull in and I'm going to get a quarter pound of meal, feed my hunger and just be ready to go for this gig, right? So I swing in and I've spoken about it on the podcast before. And I even praised him and his younger brother a couple of weeks ago. So Justin Tafa and Junior Tafa, that are both UFC fighters, uh, they both live, I don't know where exactly, but from all the stories and shit they post, probably within a 10-kilometre radius of where I live, which is nuts. Uh, so as I've swung into this McDonald's, I see parked in the waiting bay this big black BT-50, which Justin Taffer has a deal with uh, Aspley Mazda, which I know a lot of athletes and musicians in Brisbane do, uh, which is a good marketing scheme from Aspley Mazda. Uh, if they want to give me a BT-50, then... I'm uh, ready to talk, but I see this big black BT-50 and then I look in the driver window that's down and it's fucking Justin Taffer just sitting there and half of his order must have been still coming because he's like chowing down on some chips and shit. And I'm like, that is fucking sick. But I'd already started to go through the drive-thru and I don't know what the fuck I was going to do if I got out in time to be like, oh, hey, Justin, I'm fucking a shitty comedian and podcaster who lives near you. I've messaged you about 6,000 times to come on the podcast, but uh, no luck as of yet. What do you say now that I'm stalking you in McDonald's? But um, yeah, so I'm speeding through the drive-thru, quickly place my order, and I get out and the car's fucking, he's gone. So he must have got his order while I was paying or something. And I'm like, fuck it, I can, I'll catch him on the like main road. And I understand, like, in, I know deep down he's fucking gone, but it was still cool to see him. Um so I was not paying attention. All I was thinking about was like potentially waving out my window to Justin Taffer. Again, I don't know what the fuck was going to come of it, but in my head I was like, he's going to see me and he's going to want to become best best friends or something. But um, yeah, so I've pulled out of the drive-thru onto the road and I've just got my bag of Maccas on the passenger seat. So I start like chowing down on chips while I can, smash the chips in record time because I'm a fucking animal. And uh, then I'm like, I get to the highway and I get my quarter pounder out and I open it, take one bite. And I was like, that tastes fucking different. But hey, McDonald's has gone through a few changes at the moment. Who am I to judge, right? They might fuck with one of their classics. Take a second bite. And I'm like, this is not right. This does not taste good. And the texture is disgusting in my mouth. So I look down and I see in the quarter pounder is a fucking red quarter pounder patty that I've now just swallowed two bites of. And I instantly felt like I was about to throw the fuck up. Uh, I didn't even know because all the stories that I heard, McDonald's, all their shit's like pre-cooked and they basically just reheat it. So I don't know how the fuck I got like a bright red. It was like I described this to Nikita and it made me feel even more sick, but it was like, when you get a packet of red mints from Woolworths or something or the butcher and you like pull your hand in it and you just pull it out and it's just like stringy mints just attaching to each other and shit. Oh, it made me feel disgusting. So I got straight on the, uh, straight on the old dog and bone to Nikita and I was like, 
What the f- oh fuck! I just realised I ripped a cord out before. One moment. All right, we're back in. That uh, that could have been disastrous if it was like an audio. What well, is an audio cord for? Fucking playing videos and shit, which we're gonna need later. But yeah, after my uh, after my big rap on Macca's last week with their adult Happy Meals and shit like that, they've gone and let me down and given me a fucking raw quarter pounder, which. I wasn't exactly stoked on, uh, to be honest. So, um, and then last night I finished up with a gig up at Big Fork Theatre, which I don't think I've ever had a fucking bad gig there. It's one of the sickest places to do gigs in Brisbane. Uh, had two big drop-ins as well from Craig Quartermain and Aiden Jones, which means your boy here got bumped, but that's okay. Uh, happy to happy to get bumped by like touring comedians if I'm getting bumped by fucking Reed or Cody or something, then we're going to have issues. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was happy to move back in the lineup slightly and get home a little bit later. But, um, yeah, it was a fucking sick gig. And, again, I was just – I was not there mentally for it. And I even said that to a few of the guys out the back. I'm like, not fucking – not keen for this. And I, I spent three quarters of the time just in this empty room out the back by myself staring out a window just getting ready for my set. But – um. Yeah, other than that, got up there, went on autopilot, ran the classics and, yeah, got through relatively unscathed. The crowd seemed to like the shit I was dribbling with, which nothing to brag about. They're jokes I've been doing for fucking a year or more now. So um, another thing I've been doing this week, I uh, we've spoken about it in the past on the podcast. I have never been much of a... A coffee drinker, uh, but in the last three weeks or so, I've been smashing iced coffees. Uh, I started with ice mockers, to be fair, which I still prefer. But there's just there's a little bit of that like bitch mentality about ordering a mocha over a coffee, and even then, people think that iced coffees are for bitches. But I prefer the taste and the temperature. I hate fucking hot drinks, but um. Yeah, I've started drinking coffees and because of that, I tried something this week, which I hear people do all the time. I'm not I'm not breaking any ground or anything, but you hear comedians and writers and shit like that go to a coffee shop and write. So uh, three times this week, yeah, three times this week, I went to the local coffee shop, ordered myself a grande iced mocha and sat in a coffee shop for an hour writing and it's easily the three best writing sessions I've had in the last 12 months. And I don't know if that's because I feel the pressure of people watching me. So I feel like I need to write or it's just being out of the house. Like I think that's more it just because if I go into our little home office we have here, I know I can just turn around and the kitchen's there or the fucking, the studio's here. I can come fuck around in here or I can go out in the backyard. Like there's no restrictions. Whereas when I went there, it was like, oh, this is my office. I'm here to work. Uh, sit down, get your laptop, have a couple of little sips of coffee and get the juices flowing. So I, I – what's time? Yeah, about 9 o'clock. So I'm hoping to get back there today, um, get another good writing session in. There is a bit of – got a couple of tradesmen coming around for some quotes today though, which uh, we probably won't touch on that story till next week when I've got all the facts in order, but – Basically, pulling our shed down has resulted in more money coming from James's pocket, potentially. So, winning over here, fucking love and life. But that's that's it for comedy this week. Um, yeah, all in all, some pretty average sets from me. I got got through them all, skated on by. But the um, the stories to and from the gigs were were sort of my highlights of the comedy comedy realm this week. So. I wanted to touch on a couple of I don't I don't know if you'd call them sporting things this week but it came out when Adrian was back on the show that back in the day I was a bit of a closeted WWE fan which hey I'll put my hand up and even in the last 6 months or so I feel like my phone listened to that episode and now my TikTok algorithm every like fifth video is WWE shit so the last six months or so, I've 
been following from afar. I've never, I haven't watched like a full episode of Raw or anything like that. Uh, my life hasn't gone that far downhill, but I'm sure when the kids get old enough and they want to watch wrestling, then I'll probably get right back into it and fucking put my Hulk, Hulk Hogan outfit on. But yeah, uh, WWE came back to Australia for, I don't know, I, it could be their first pay-per-view they've ever done in Australia because I know they used to tour Australia all the time and I went and saw it then. But this was their first actual, like, this was scripted into their every week storyline sort of thing and their, like, lead-up to WrestleMania. So they did the Elimination Chamber in Perth, which, again, I thought it was a bold move from them to do it in Perth when you could do it in... Sydney or Melbourne, which obviously that's where everyone goes to when they come to Australia, or even Brisbane, like it would have been sick in Suncorp Stadium. But there's, yeah, Optus Stadium over in Perth now, which a lot of big artists are trying to sell that place out. And WWE sold it out. They had, I think it was like close to 53,000 people in attendance, which is nuts that, A, there was, I suppose, there's easily that many WWE fans. It's not... It's not an astronomical number when you say it out loud, but it is a lot of grown adults dressing up in WWE outfits to fly to Perth and watch it. But um, yeah, the highlights and shit that I'd seen looked fucking looked pretty sick, to be honest. And yeah, it was just it was pretty crazy to see huge people like the Undertaker, like the Undertaker's touring Australia while he's here doing his one man show. Um, I didn't get tickets just because I don't know what else he could what what am i saying he's fucking lived a ginormous career why am i saying why would people want to go see him when i'm expecting people to come and listen to me dribble shit in my garage every week but um yeah i didn't go and see the undertaker if i wasn't clear on that but this week just gone was the first big week that we've seen like a big collaboration of WWE and UFC worlds colliding now that the two businesses have joined to form TKO and the first one came at Raw this week where Michael Chandler who's been in the wings now for a year and a half waiting for Conor McGregor to come back for their big fight he was in the Raw crowd and they uh they gave him the microphone and he basically did his promo that he did after his last fight of just calling out Conor McGregor screaming into the microphone it was pretty fucking sick to see but at the same time it was like all right, we are getting a little bit a little bit uh, wrestling in the UFC, but we don't want to get too fake. We don't want to step on that line. And then the the next one was uh, Tai Tuivasa. He went to the Elimination elimination Chamber in Perth. And there's, an, there's a couple of Australian WWE superstars now, which there wasn't when I used to watch it. But um, I think that's why they came to Australia because these guys are so big. Like the, the chicks are champion or something like that. And, yeah, Tai Tuivasa did a shoey ringside with uh, the, the dude Australian WWE superstar. So feels weird saying WWE superstar. Uh, didn't feel as weird when I was a kid, but now that I'm a grown adult, it does feel a little bit odd to say. But, yeah, it was, it was cool to see such a big spectacle come to Australia, especially after all the ones we spoke about last week, um, this one being a little bit different than than old Tay-Tay and whoever else I spoke about last week, Pink and shit. But, uh, yeah, the other big one that the other big one that uh, happened in the sporting realm, I guess, this week was motocross, do, motocross superstar, I guess you'd call him, uh, J.O. Archer. He passed away this week doing practicing a trick, which... Some people might not know him, but this dude, the reason I know him is Westy and I went to the Nitro Circus World Games a couple of years ago, um, spoke about it on the podcast when it, when it went down. So J.O. Archer, his big thing that I guess he's, he's known for heaps of things, but the big thing that he sort of hung his hat on was he was the first person to land a triple backflip on a motorbike, which is insane to fucking flip a motorbike three times in the air. So I got the video just because I thought, like, it's so cool every time I see it. So we'll play it. Uh, oh, fuck, hang on. And this is this is lucky I put that cord in before. I have just fucked my entire laptop. Hang on. 
Hang on, hang on, hang on. Bear with me. Bear with me. Oh, that, God, I'm a fucking idiot. I wasn't opening the video before I was trying to drag it across. What a fucking knobhead. Uh, all right. This is why you should set shit up before the podcast, but here, I'll just watch it on this screen because for some reason that one's not working, but you guys will see it fine at home. So let's hope the audio comes through. And no, the audio is not coming through because I pulled that cord out before. How fucking good is this episode? All right. Uh, we're going to go here and here. Hang in there. Do, 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 do. There we go. All right. Here's J.O. Archer doing the first ever triple backflip on a dirt bike at Suncorp Stadium. Here we go. All right. You can hear J.O. Come on, everyone on your feet. Let's go, J.O. Come on. In the stadium. Here we go. He's got good. It looks good. It looks good. Two, three. He's got it. First try. Are you kidding me? But that's fucking, that's insane to be able to pull that off. And Harry Bink did the same trick after him and took the, um, took the gold. So J.O. got the silver. But um, yeah, it's insane. The dude, the dude was 27. So to dedicate your entire life, like I think he got signed as a professional motorbike rider when he was 15 from what I saw. And just every day, like even, so he got signed when he was 15, right? And this shows somewhat how, how hard like these guys work. He's been signed to Nitro Circus for the last 10 years. And in my head, and I know most people would think the same thing, you get signed with Nitro Circus, okay, you're a fucking professional motorbike rider now. Like that's all you do all day, every day. But J.O. Archer still had a full-time job. I think, I don't know what exactly it was, but he was a tradie. Um, he'd always post up his work days on his stories and shit like that. So to go and do a full day's work as a tradie and then come home every afternoon and be practicing shit like triple backflips to try and try and do like shit like you just watched on that video is nuts. Um, but yeah, he after he landed that as well, he proposed to his girlfriend. I think they were meant to get married this week, which just adds a whole nother layer of sadness to to all that shit. But um, yeah, if if uh, yeah, I don't even know where to go from that, but. I know exactly where we can go from it and it fucking sucks dick. So let's see let's see if we can get through this unscathed. So if you've been following me on socials, I think I even posted it on the podcast uh, stories and shit this week. But uh, as we've all known, sort of leading up to here, we've had to we we had to put our family dog down this week, which has obviously fucked with everyone in this house. Um, and I admittedly had a mega love-hate relationship with this dog. So she ha she was chaos from the fucking – the moment we got her. So Nikita gave me like an ultimatum 11, 12 years ago, whenever it was, that I – what there was a big music festival. I think it was like Stereosonic or something. And Nikita had been hassling me for six months to get a new dog. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. And my mates called me the morning of the music festival. They're like, we've got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? And I'm like, fucking oath I do. So I started to get ready and she's like, if you go to the music festival, when you get home, there's going to be a dog. And I'm like, I didn't fucking believe her. I'm like, you won't go and buy a dog like without me. And sure enough, got home the next day and there was a, a little white runt sitting at the door yapping at me that was sold to Nikita as a purebred Kelpie somehow. So not sure if you guys know much about Kelpies, but they don't come in white. Uh, it would be an extremely rare one if if it was. And as she started to get older, we could just tell that obviously she was just she was the last of whatever the fuck she was, and she was just put in the Kelpie cage to try and get rid of her. So um yeah, the the vet bills and shit like that that we spent on that dog were astronomical. Like I don't even want to go and get a final figure. I think on the early days of the podcast, we like threw the the number of like twenty grand around, which it was upwards of that in the last couple of years. Um, she bled me dry, but uh, yeah, the I like the fuck. How 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 would I even say this? So the big like thank factor that I have towards this 
stupid dog that made my life hell is she was the first joke that I like made work on stage like through countless bombings time after time but I've got this dumb uh dumb joke about she used to have seizures all the time right and the only way to save her from these seizures was to like shove a tablet up her ass and I wrote a half-assed joke about it when I first started out. Never really worked. Uh, then we told the story in the first couple of episodes of the podcast and just talking it through with Ash and Adrian and hearing their little spins on how funny it is that you have to finger your dog to save its life sort of thing. So then I fucked with it again and took that to stage and it started to slightly work a bit. And I was like, it was enough for me to sort of bank on that as my closer for such a long time. And then, uh, again, giving him his flowers countless times on the podcast. He, I don't even think this dude knows what a podcast is, but Rob Brown out at Ipswich heard me do this dog joke a couple of times and he, like, like he said, he's like, that's some of the, like one of the funniest premises and half-written jokes I've heard. And then he, get, he goes, what if you spun it this way to end the joke? And then as soon as I rewrote the joke again to end that way, every time I fucking did it, was it was just crushing. And now if I'm doing a set and it doesn't go well, I just finish on that joke. And it still doesn't always land, but when it lands, it's fucking it's sick. So I, um, I wasn't going to finish my set last night on it just because obviously it's all still raw and shit. And I was like, oh, I'll just leave the joke and finish my raw set on it this week. But then I was like, no, I need to get it out of the way this week in case it fucking, in case it like brings up raw emotion and shit during my, my raw set. But um, yeah, it's a, a bit of a shitty time in this house, obviously losing a family, family dog that you see all day, every day. And just the, the shit that she put us through that made us love her even more, just fucking, it sucks, but to get us through the day, obviously I deal with everything through laughter and shit and Nikita was a fucking mess. So my job all day was just to try and make her laugh, even though she ended up making me laugh countless times. So, um, yeah, I, I made a bit of a note of a couple of things that happened that day to, to lighten the mood. But, um, yeah, like I said, this, this dog was fucking mental. Like, you see the movie Marley and Me and you're like, that's a shit dog. And then our dog is two times Marley. Like that, I should write a movie called Mellow and Me. Uh, there we go. That's going to be my first, first feature film. But um, yeah, the, the morning of the incident kicked off. We woke up and I saw our cat limping and I'm like, why is the cat limping? And Nikita's like, oh my God, I didn't even know. So the chaos of the day starts. And we have to rush the cat to the vet before we go later with our dog. And $1,000 later, just for x-rays and all this sort of shit. And I was like, this, is, this fucking sucks. But to be honest, it was the distraction we needed the morning of. Um, so, yeah, it turns out our cat has done a crucial ligament, which is apparently very rare for cats to do. It's mainly a dog injury. Uh, so much to the point that for the surgery this cat needs, if we do decide to go that route, which we are having family discussions about that at the moment, three and a half grand because they have to get a special vet into the surgery, into the clinic to do the surgery because there's only like a couple of vets in Queensland that do this particular surgery. So that's a, that's a hot topic in this household at the moment as to where we go from there. But, um, yeah, we, we dealt with that, got the cat home, um, take the dog back, and it's go time. And Nikita says to me, she's like, please, whatever you do, can you just hold it together? Because if I look over and I see you crying, I'm going to cry. And then I'm like, sick, I can't grieve my dog now because I don't want my wife to cry. Even though no matter what happened that day, Nikita was going to be crying nonstop. And she has not stopped crying since that moment. So, um yeah, we're sitting sitting in this room, right? And it's just like, oh, it's the worst feeling. Like 
Mello was sitting there, like she never grew up. She was still just a puppy and she's sitting there. She's excited. She's like got her tongue out looking at Nikita and I and I just can't make eye contact with this dog. And I'm like, why are you fucking doing this to me? And I'm like, (laughs) before we left, she was all over me and I was like trying to hold it together. And I don't even remember what movie this is from, but it, it made Nikita laugh. Nikita, uh, Mello was just at my feet and she wasn't leaving me and I'm moving away from her. And I did the the movie scene where I was like, go on, get. And like I was trying to like shoo her away and it was just making her like jump on, on me more. But uh, yeah, pretty fucked up. But we're in the room and Nikita's trying to like take her mind off it. And I don't know if it's a, a little bit of her tism coming out or something like that, but she's like, She's sitting there, somber as fuck moment with our dog, final moments. And the vet's not in the room at this stage, so it's not as weird. But she's like, what do you think we say to the receptionist on the way out? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, do like, do we say anything to her? And I'm like, no, just fucking walk straight out. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so nervous about what I'm going to do to the receptionist. And I'm like, you do not need to think about this right now. Anyway, uh, end of that story is she turned to the reception receptionist on our way out, bawling her eyes out and said, thank you. And I'm like, it's a weird thing to say to someone who just killed our dog, but uh, I know they didn't do it on purpose. But um, yeah, I, I found that funny. The other thing, uh, the vet came in the room as we were sitting, I thought this was terrible on their part, but whatever, it is what it is. They came in the room and they're like, just letting you know, we got your cat's bloods back and they've all come back all good. Uh, the vet leaves the room. We're like, oh, okay, uh, perfect. Thank you. Can you let us have our final moments with our dog? Vet shuts the door. We're alone again. And Nikita looks at me and goes, oh, that's good news that Matilda's bloods have come back. And I've looked at her. And like the way she said it was like as if, this is the best news we could have got all day. And I've said to her, I looked at her and I'm like, yeah, this is a really good day, isn't it? And she's like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. And it was just another fucking awkward moment. But this is the one that got me right. So final moment, the vet comes in the room. She's like, are you ready for it? Are you ready to go, basically? Nikita and I look at each other. We go, yep. Nikita gets on the floor with Mello, does the cuddle. Um, and I don't know if anyone's had a pet put down before, but apparently there's something in the the green fluid they give them where their eyes don't close, which is sketchy to me. Um, so Nikita's sitting there. She's patting Mello's head. I'm patting Mello's back, um, just trying to fucking comfort her, shit like that. And, yeah, the, the thing that fucked me up is I was looking at Mello's head and obviously her eyes don't shut, as I just said. But the way Nikita was patting her, patting her head, it was drawing her like forehead skin back. So her eyes were already open, but then every pat, they would open wide open every like every time Nikita would scratch her forehead back. And it was so disturbing to because then I'm just fixated on that. I don't know what else to look at. So I'm staring into my dog's eyes that is dying and every Every pat, I'm just getting this like surprised look from my my dying dog. But um, yeah, I said that to Nikita. I turned it into a bit of a bit of a little bit in the car on the ride home, trying to lighten the mood. And I don't know. I I did it way better than I just did. Obviously, fucking this is this is. I'm trying to do the best I can in this moment. Um, otherwise. Yeah, I, I even bought my sonnies in here just in case it all went down and I had to pop them on because I was being a little bitch and and everyone that picked episode 80 for James to finally break down on the podcast and cry would have been able to tick it off their bingo card. But unfortunately for you guys, I've surprisingly held it together. I I thought it was all going to go down. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit – every time oh, – it's just so much to get used to. Like we'll get out of the car and instead of yelling out, Mellow, shut up, because usually should fucking yap, yap, yap. There's just silence, uh, which is – it's jarring. Every time the postman ro- drives past, we go to yell and just silence. So there's all these little things to get used to. And the other thing that I'm struggling with, like especially last night, a big thing I struggled with being at the show is uh, deep down I sort of knew – like 
Mello was here during the whole home invasion and shit like that. And there was something that flicked in her that night that she's the most placid, like she'll bark at you nonstop, but she'd never hurt anyone. And the night of the home invasion, there was like a little switch where you saw a little bit of like an aggressive dog in her. But then as soon as it all died down, it was, it was fine. And because of that, I felt comfortable sort of leaving the house, going to gigs, shit like that, because I knew if anything did go down, God fucking forbid, um, I knew she would sort of do whatever she had to do to protect Nikita and the kids because um, she was fucking obsessed with them and they were just as obsessed with her. So everyone's struggling and that's probably the biggest thing that I'm struggling with that, yeah, there's sort of zero protection here now while I'm out, which um, most people wouldn't give a fuck about, but the anxiety that we have being here at nighttime, obviously from everything that has gone down sucks a big... Big dick, but um, yeah, I don't know. Don't know what else to say on that, but uh, yeah, rest rest in peace, Mellow. You will be sadly missed, um, even by me. That was arguably your your worst enemy, but it definitely has hit me a lot harder than I I expected it to. But um, I'm gonna see what else I've got on the list here to try and brighten the mood. So uh, we'll get to premature premise for the week. I haven't fucking written anything. I, I've i not been in the mood for comedy. Everything that I did mention, I've been to coffee shops and written, but it has been, it's been for comedy, but it's been for something that I entirely was not expecting. So I don't want to go and blow my lid on what I have been writing yet, but yeah, something, something's been coming out of me, which I think is a, is a good thing for me to, to grow on. Um, and I'll probably touch on that in the next couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, haven't done a premature premise. I did write a bit on the one that I did last week, which I'm I'm pretty happy with it, and I'm going to try it probably next week, I reckon, on stage, and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Don't think that I've just put, let my foot off on the premature premise. Hopefully you guys can give me some fucking slack for everything that's gone down this week, um, and I'll be back next week with one, but... Uh, I do have a, a motivational clip of the week and I thought it was only fitting that I get this dude to be my motivational clip for the week because I'm going to go and see him on Thursday night. So one of my favorites, one of the dudes that, again, this week while I was feeling down, got me through some shit, just went and watched some some old clips that I relate to, listened to a couple of his old podcasts. Um, and at the moment, like... Now that I'm doing these solo podcasts, if I had to turn to someone that like I idolize, I guess, or want to be like on on the solo podcasts, it's Theo Vaughn, who's in Australia now. He's actually on the Gold Coast right now. He put a story up, which means he's got his gig on the Gold Coast on Thursday, the 29th, which I will be in attendance for, which means he's got the next four days sort of just kicking around somewhat my neck of the woods. So... I'm uh, tossing up the options to just go and cruise around the Gold Coast for the next few days and try and run into one of my heroes. But, um, yeah, I even got him. Yeah, he's, he's up there. So he's made the wall. That's how much I like him. Uh, so this is my little motivational clip of the week. I don't even remember which one it is, to be honest, because I had a couple, couple to choose from. I'm going to try and get it up on here so my face can be looking at the camera rather than here we go he's on he's sorted it out all right here's mr theo vaughn with some words of wisdom i don't know what i'm doing yeah 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 thank you man yeah i don't know what i'm doing man i i know i'm trying but yeah i don't know what the fuck i'm doing yeah i'm just being i'm just just being a human I'm just trying my fucking best man there you know most of the time anyway, I don't know sometimes maybe I'm even not but yeah I think I've just always felt so much pressure man I've always felt so much pressure just get it right you better fucking get it right you know I've always felt like I wasn't uh, Like I had to get it right. This is a place where I don't or there was no value to me. 
or to, to whatever, to whatever I was doing. It's like, if it's not perfect, this is a place where there was no value. And so I think that's still how I operate sometimes. Like I got to get everything perfectly. Yeah, and it's just impossible, man. I'm tired of but yeah, that one uh, that one resonated with me this week. I think I've been pretty vocal on the podcast before about even starting this fucking podcast. I wanted everything to be perfect. And there was a point where we recorded and I chopped them together. I think it was like episode 43 or something, the unreleased episodes. We recorded sort of like four episodes before we re- released any live. Um, and those ones didn't even see the light of day. And I was just saying to Ash and Adrian, I'm like, it's not right. It's not what I want the podcast to be. I want it to be fucking perfect, blah, blah, blah. And it, uh, yeah, it took sort of both of them telling me that every week isn't going to be the world's best podcast. Like there's episodes of Joe Rogan that I listen to and I'm like, oh, this isn't, it's not clicking with me. This isn't, I don't find this interesting. But then next episode I tune in and it's fucking the best thing I've ever heard. So I... Yeah, particularly this episode. Um, understand it probably wasn't the greatest. There has been, yeah, it's a lot on my mind and my family's mind this week that has prevented me from being a fun, lovable James. But I will be back next week. Um, hopefully that clip resonated with a couple of you guys as well. And, uh, yeah, gets you, gets you thinking. But Theo... I, he, I've tried so fucking hard to get in contact with him since he announced his Australian tour because he is on my level, uh, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but he's one of the one of the guys that I listen to who's not he's not like the most intellectual, but he just has a way to talk to average people like me, I guess, um, and and cut through to me and. He's just, yeah, your basic dude that's that's had the dream and he's gone out there and he's somehow made it happen. Um, and that's fucking what, what I'm going to do eventually, hopefully. But, yeah, this plug-in shows this week, I – obviously I knew what was coming up with Mellow and things like that. So I haven't booked any gigs this week. So it's going to be my first week off for 2024, which I think myself and my family needs. And uh, actually, there is there is one gig this week, uh, which again, it's probably either stupid or smart that I book this entire week off. And I have my Raw semi-final on this Sunday, the 3rd of March, which is also Nikita's birthday, which sucks that I'm not going to be here at night time um, to celebrate her birthday with her. But hopefully I can bring the win home. Um make it through to the Queensland State Finals, which it's a step further than last year, um, which would be – it would be sick to just have that on my resume, I guess. As much as I hate these competitions and shit like that, it's just people – I don't yeah, people view you differently if you're a, a state finalist, and I don't – I don't give a fuck really. Um, yeah, I don't expect to make it any further. I was messaging a couple of boys this week, and I was like, it's cl- – I'm not shitting on anyone that's got this, like good on them for getting gigs at sit down. But I think it's uh, pretty obvious who sit down comedy wants through to the final because there has been people that have made it through to the semifinals that have got gigs on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights at sit down comedy this week um, to run their fives. And I haven't got a phone call. Um, Who knows? Might get one this week, but I highly doubt it because I'm not what they're looking for, but that's all right. Uh, I know where I want to get to. I know the the audience that I want to build on that as well. Um, I had a mate. I'm not going to put him on blast. He's a comedian and a podcaster in the scene as well. Uh, and he messaged me privately after my first solo where I went on the my little rant against the podcasting industry. And he said something that I didn't even think of like to start with. And he's like, do you really want the audience of those big podcasters coming to your shows and shit? Because there's a weird thing. And I, th- I 
thought it was what I wanted when I started podcasting, um, uh, comedy, sorry, is I wanted like the Aussie battlers to come and be my audience because my shit's dirty and I'm like, okay, I know the country crowd's like dirty shit, blah, blah, blah. But every gig you go to, you can guarantee if there's a drunk Aussie battler there, all he wants to do the entire night is be part of the show and just yell out and be the worst audience member ever. And I was like, fuck, I did not even think of that. Like it could be a silver lining, I guess, that maybe I've got this core audience group, you guys that are listening right now, fucking say it every week, appreciate it. Uh, you guys are the, what I, the the guys I want to hit home to and not these guys that are going to come and potentially ruin a show that I I start doing eventually. But, um, yeah, if you if you guys want to come and check out the Raw semifinal at the sit-down comedy club this Sunday night, um, stoked to see anyone there. Um, and, yeah, send, send through any submissions. Obviously, fucking you can hear it in my voice. I am at breaking point. But, um yeah, send through any submissions, get the lines of communications happening, uh, DM me on Instagram, email me on can't get any worse pod at gmail.com and yeah, share share the podcast around, help me grow up, maybe share another episode so if you share this one and your friends go, why the fuck do you listen to that depressive cunt every week? Uh, yeah, you, you won't look like such a dick but thanks for listening guys, we'll come back with a happier episode next week and see you later.